The Food and Drink Show with Abby Moulton, Josh Barry and The Pressure on Hoxton Radio. It's the Food and Drink Show. Josh Barry's back. Yes, hi. Looks like he's broken out of um, Wandsworth. And um, uh, Abby's here as well. Looks like you've been, I don't know, painting and decorating in Dalston. <laughs> I feel like I've been painting and decorating in Dalston. It's World Bee Day. It is World Bee Day. Yeah. Yeah, important. Oh, although if you say it out loud, it sounds like something else. Yeah, sounds like a, how they, they say in the States, bidet. <laughs> and that's like a toilet thing. Uh, it's World Bee Day, so we'll uh, celebrate some of that through the show today, maybe with some bees' breath. Mm, we've got the Ethical Butchers friends coming to say hello. We've got Ground Burgers coming mm. in, which is a collab with the Ethical Butcher, and they're here to talk about climate-positive burgers. London Smoke and Cure, smoke loads of meats. They're going to say hello on the phone at about 11, and then the Josh who are these people that are your friends? Equiano rum. Mm. Very delicious rum. They'll be on the telephone line as well, which should be a bit of fun. Uh, Night Tales at the Street opens this week. We've got a competition running with Polo Bar. Um, and then my favourite coffee brand, Union Coffee, turning 20 this year. So we'll uh, talk a bit of coffee, maybe. Sounds great. Let's get a bit of elbow on. Uh, hopefully it shouldn't rain today, but if it does, it'll only be a gentle storm. If you make tasty food or drink and would like to be featured on the show... Drop us an email to info at hoxtonradio.com. British Sea Power. From the North East and also from the South. They come from, like, up near Newcastle-ish and sort of from Sussex-Brighton. How's your Sussex-Brighton accent? They don't really have one, do they? They probably just... They don't really have one. Brighton does have an accent. Does it? Yeah, it's like... Brighton. Soft... Mockney. Tinge of London. Yeah. With a, with a bit of seaside custard thrown in but I think anyone cool from somewhere that's not London tries to have a bit of London about them don't they one of the funniest things in Oxford when I moved there as a teenager was the natural classic accent of you know you know the working people of Oxford is a farmer voice you know west country almost but with just a little bit more grating but because you're that close to London a lot of the kind of rude boys try to put on London accents it's incredible it was really embarrassing. London farmers, eh? I yeah. bet they're a rough sort. Go to Hackney City Farm or yeah. Stepney, you'll find, oh, get out of here, I'll get me rake on you. Um, uh, has everyone been eating fun, tasty things inside this week? Michael Caine's favourite band is Elbow. Is it? That's, 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 that surprises me. I know. I listened to his Desert Island Discs while rowing yesterday. Rowing? So that fact's coming straight out mm. um, of the recent experience. How far did you row? How many meters? I just do half an hour. Wow. A pop. That's big. Is it? Yeah. Half an hour? When I was training to row the Thames, I was only doing an hour. An when hour. we came to actually do it, it probably took about an hour and a half, and it was much tougher than the rowing machine, but it's good practice. An hour and a half to do how much of the Thames? From, like, Vauxhall to Greenwich. That's a long way. The key bit, yeah. And under the bridges, it's so choppy, so much wake. So much so much choppiness. And windy, 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 windy as well, isn't it? Meandering. Just, it's just killer. Towards the end, she kept saying, oh, just a hundred more strokes. Just a hundred more. And like after you've done however many, thousand. A hundred's a lot. I feel like anybody saying just a hundred anything is going to make you go, oh my God. Also, speaking of Desert Island Discs, we've got one of our own on there tomorrow. Mr. Lion, off of the London food and drink industry, mm. is uh, is on the show. He's going to be dropping some tunes and doing some chats. Mm. So that'll be nice. A roaringly good time. Who oh. with? Lauren Levan or someone else now? Lauren, I think. Okay, she probably likes British sea power as well then. <laughs> mm. 
Um, I think I had a knock at the door, so hopefully um, we are going to taste some ethical burgers after a bit of dry cleaning with Scratch Card Lanyard. If you make tasty food or drink and would like to be featured on the show, drop us an email to info at hoxtonradio.com. Deep Valley from the American Cockroach EP, which is out on the 18th of June. I'd like them to play somewhere very close by, please. Moth Club, followed by All Points East around then. Would suit me fine. Oh, did you see him at All Points East? No, I saw him at Moth Club. They sweated on me. Oh, great. That's Deep Valley before that. Dry cleaning, scratch card lanyard. Just kind of over them a bit. The album's a bit too wonky for me. It's not even wacky, it's wonky. Lots of clangy music around these days. People want to be people want to be wild, you know. People want to be wild. So much noise everywhere. <laughs> Lily, what do you listen to? Oh God, what a question! My boyfriend will be so angry, but I'm such a cheese ball. Oh what? Not <laughs> yeah. okay. Look at me! I'm a pop star. Oh, yeah. Modern know. modern pop though. Brit well, pop, Brit, Brit awards pop. All sorts. No, not oh, really. Shoot. Okay. Not so not that. Then? I don't know. I like a bit of uh, well. We're going through like old school Robbie Williams stuff at the moment. Wow. <laughs> I had his first album from Britannia Music Club. Oh, okay. So well, I got Millennium on. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that exact one. It's just like, you know, nostalgia, okay. interesting. pop vibes. That's, that's, that's what I'm into. <laughs> All right. Josh, do you approve or disapprove? <laughs> I like pop very much. Yeah. Could you run to it, Josh? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't really have a specific genre that I go to. I just go on Spotify might be Little Mix one day might be uh, oh yeah I love a little bit yeah, of Little yeah. Mix say. I've actually been to see them so Where? completely unashamed fan <laughs> yeah the O2 they're great they're really good <laughs> yeah I like them I like them too, actually. I have a tiny baby sister, uh, and she has forced me into watching every video, every interview, Can't not like listen them, really. to every album. I reckon I probably know all the songs. Her wow. speech at the Brit Awards as well was um, was <laughs> oh. really good. Yeah, it was the first good. female group, girl group to win. It's quite shocking, right? Which is in twenty twenty one. Exactly. Pray. <laughs> so that's what that is. <laughs> Lily, where are you from? What do you do? Uh, so I'm from a company called Ground. And, uh, yeah, we're kind of on a mission to make burgers a little bit better. Um, beef burgers, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've got a pop-up at the Spurstow Arms at the moment in London Fields. Um, and, yeah, we're kind of all about regenerative agriculture. So mm-hmm. Sexy term. I know. I actually stumble over it so often. I think I'm just a bit... Can't get my words out, but yeah, regenerative agriculture. <laughs> it's pretty cool, though. It's a big topic at the moment and what lots of yeah. people are talking about. No, it is pretty cool. And like, um, you know, I don't know if your listeners will know much about it, but there are some bigger names like sort of getting on the bandwagon now, which is quite cool. Give us, can you give us a kind of, what's the top line info? What is regenerative agriculture? Well, I guess the clue is sort of in the name. It's regenerative. So farming that we know probably more commonly is considered like commercial or industrial version of farming, which is where it's all like, you know, feedlots, uh, you know, super bad for the environment and the animals. Um, but regenerative agriculture is actually not a new thing. Um, like indigenous people have been doing it for hundreds of years, but it is something that we're now figuring out, I think, in the more modern world that we can maybe do to our version of farming to make it less harmful on the land. And it's all about soil health. Uh, it's a way of managing the land, basically, like the cows sort of, or whatever animal it is, like move around a little bit more and they eat and they are part of an ecosystem that encourages lots of plant growth. Um, and it obviously plants suck down carbon into the ground and 
yeah, it's kind of like a, it's, it's super complicated to explain, <laughs> but on the top line, but I think I've, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like figure out a one liner, but I'm yet to sort of conquer it. But yeah, it's basically about looking after the soil, increasing biodiversity and um, making sure that, you know, we're not having a really, really negative effect on our planet paints a nice picture and the menu at the Spursto Arms yeah. I had a look at it this morning okay nice looks amazing yeah we actually just uh, did a little bit of a reboot we've been there since the 12th of April when you could eat outside so we sort of eased ourselves into it I have another street food company so I'm not totally new at this but doing something at a pub like that is was kind of new for me but yeah we just launched a new new bits it's got a few more bugs on it a few more like other seasonal things because um, that's what I'm trying to do just make it like local seasonal produce but yeah so far the feedback's been okay talk us through <laughs> the um the groundbreaker burger which looks yeah. like a bit of josh barry all uh, over <laughs> yeah the groundbreaker is kind of like our signature dish uh that's sort of the one that i developed for our diy kits which you can get online um it contains our amazing regenerative agriculture beef patty and then we've got some cheese there from Lycross Farm and that is uh, PFLA cheese and that basically stands for Pasture Fed for Life Association um, which is kind of the sort of startings for companies that they can get involved with like farming companies where all their meat is 100% grass fed and they get this it's a bit like organic you know they get like a certification to say that they're up to that level but that's the only cheese in the UK that has that um certificate which is kind of cool if you're into that thing um, and then yeah it's got some green chilies in there and some bacon A's which is this amazing sauce that I have sort of invented but um, I, I suppose say. not really that caught my eye this yeah, morning yeah it's, it's pretty cool it's uh, we make the mayonnaise from um, this like carbon neutral oil and we get uh, eggs that are from regenerative agriculture as mm. well so make all the mayonnaise and then like blend all this delicious smoky bacon into it and like yeah it makes a pretty good burger but I, I would say that. <laughs> so where do you get your beef from? So the beef comes from, the ground is kind of in partnership with a company called The Ethical Butcher. Um, and they sell uh, like meat online that's all from regenerative farms. So they have the dealings with all the farms in the UK, but obviously they all come from the UK. We try and get them as close to London as possible to reduce all of the food miles. Um, and yeah, they're these amazing regenerative farms. So they're really sm much smaller than you would imagine, like what you see kind of in those... Um, sort of other documentaries about commercial farms these just totally different um and yeah so the ethical butcher supplies all of our beef to us you're an altogether nice person aren't you lily I certainly try. with your food choices the music's <laughs> a bit dubious but. um let's play a little bit of flume because it's pop-tastic on the radio today in the morning <laughs>
to restaurants some people have been to yoga has anyone been on like a flume slide yet water park <laughs> well thought park yeah can you do over. that i'd love to you can go to thought park can you yeah ah. what else can you do like what one else? per roller coaster S- swimming pools probably they might they're the best places for a flume surely what else haven't we thought about that's open that everyone's thinking about the salons and the restaurants and the gyms I what actually went to Thorpe Park in between last year, in between lockdowns. Amazing. So, uh, and you had to go in, you had to do your little ding dong, and then you had to queue socially distance, and then they cleaned the rides after every kind of three. It was, it was great. It was brilliant. Worth it. Yeah, totally. I love theme parks okay. so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your face. I've never seen Josh Barry so enamoured. Look yeah. at this. I know. I just love roller coasters. That's so nice. Yeah, I, I've been to Alton Towers a few times. That's a good one, right? Yeah, that was brilliant. A, yeah. a ride broke. At, it was oh. really great at Alton Towers towards the end of the day. The queue was really long for the best kind of crazy one. And it broke three times what? And we, while we were queuing. And that so, makes you still want to go on it. Well, like, everyone. It was amazing because everyone got out of the Alton queue. Alton Towers is and that place just where straight. they had that awful accident. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm not sure like, I would still wait in the queue <laughs> what do you what about like the local funfair ones at like Ali Pali fireworks and that do you go to those type roller coasters I used to go to the fair like and go on all those rides but the, the first roller coaster I ever went on actually was in Bright- on Brighton Pier which is this rickety wooden bit of nonsense these days I'd rather just stick to Alton Towers Thought Park I think in my old age a little bit more tentative about things. <laughs> Old age Fair roller enough. coaster. Lily from Ground, food and beverage, these burgers, but yeah. better. Open every day at the Spurstow Arms, just off of London Fields. Amazing burgers made amazingly and with your fair hands. Well, I don't make the patties myself, but, the but dips I do and make the a lot of the and burgers. The mayo and everything yeah, that you just yeah. said then, it's all you. Yeah, not every single item, but I'm in the kitchen a lot and I helped develop it, but we do have. Um, you know some great chefs in there as well can't be there all the time (laughs) is it a pop-up or are you going to be there indefinitely so we're there definitely for like another couple of months but i think we'll probably continue it because it's been really great and yeah it's just nice to sort of be in that atmosphere again like walking in a nice pub like that you know you mentioned that you've had some indoor diners this week Mm. yes we have the vibe like the vibe you know monday was actually not uh, very busy. I feel like the rain is still like scaring people off. It's. I mean, obviously the weather's been horrific, but yeah, last night it was it was popping actually, um, which is so nice to see. Like just you know that buzz of a pub or a busy restaurant or anything like the you know indistinct sort of chatter. It, it's it's nice, you know, and I think. I, it's part of 
you know what London is about and you know all across the UK we're we're pub dwellers aren't we so it's nice to be able to get back back to it ready for it how yeah. much is one of your burgers and talk talk about the chips and the bun yeah and the details yeah so the chips are uh, pretty amazing actually they come from um there's a, a chef called pierre kaufman i don't know if you know about him he has a few michelin stars though so he's kind of a big deal he's um gotten really into his potatoes and he's making like um uh, he's got potato farms so he does actually his own frozen chips which like, I don't normally do frozen chips on my other stalls, but this particular frozen chip is absolutely divine. So, yeah, we have those at the pub and all come from farms in the UK. I think they're in Northampton. Um, and the buns we actually get from Paul Rhodes Bakery at the moment, which is in Greenwich. Um, it's kind of like a brioche bun with sesame and poppy seeds on it. It's actually super naughty. It sm- when you get them fresh in the mornings, they just smell so good. Um, but yeah, we have like quite a few vegan options on the menu as well. Um, obviously, being in East London, you know, got to appeal to to the folk. So yeah, um, what are your vegan options? So we're doing a vegan burger with um, Biff's. I don't know if you've been to Biff's before. They do yeah, like yeah, he's uh, yeah Hector Bellerin goes to Biff's. Biff's Jack Shack. Yeah, so yeah, they're kind of in my like street food circles that I I mix in. Um, so yeah, Biff's jackfruit patty we've kind of got in there with some slaw and chipotle mayo and yeah vegan brioche from Paul Rhodes it's pretty good and then we've got loads of seasonal veg on the menu like roasted beetroot and like tomato salad um where I'm from in West Sussex there was a girl that went to my school and she had like a big tomato farm and now I'm getting the tomatoes from her farm there so it's really nice actually to be able to have an extended menu and like find all these amazing ingredients and shout about these producers it's kind of what does it for me would you want to make your own Jack eventually or your own ethical or would you still want to partner with these people so that they can provide amazing products you could be like hey they do that that's why it's great yeah do you know what like it's I think I've sort of learning that you can't do everything all the time um, when you own a business and it's nice to be able to sort of collaborate with other people and you know there's so many great um, people that I've met through doing this and I think that that's part of it for me Um, being able to have other people on the menu and chat about what they're doing because they're doing what they're doing really well you know so I think if I was to then go and spread myself too thin and try and do all these different things, that might not end up with a great product at the end of it. So mm. it's about admitting when you you know you can't actually take on the world. <laughs> yeah, focus, focus your focus on one thing as best, isn't it? Yeah, that's street food though. Like I, my other companies, um, we just do steak and chips. So like that's it, and we don't really stray from doing that. We do a few other bits of specials, like we're doing surf and turf, but it, it, that is it, and we do it really well. So people know when they come to us that they're not getting a huge menu, but the menu that is there is like banging. <laughs> I'm a big fan of coffee and potatoes, actually. Yeah. And when you do your steak and chips, yeah, just steak and chips or sauce? Oh yeah, sauces, obviously. Um, yeah, we have like a garlic and herb butter. It's kind of like a Bernays butter we peg it as because it's a bit easier to make than actual Bernays. Um, like a chili butter we make too, and then we have our like house sauce, which is. It's, it's like a secret recipe, but it's kind Ooh. of like a chimichurri, kind of. I thought we were going to get it. You ah! said house sauce, and I saw your lips move like you were going to tell us what it was, <laughs> and then you caught yourself. No, I think like we sometimes take wages. People try and guess what's in it, but they can never guess what the secret ingredient is. Oh, I need to try. Ah! I need to try like and a guess. challenge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a challenge. I must. Yeah. I must. <laughs> 
This is Lily from Ground Green Red Meat. It's the Insta handle on the website is greenredmeat.com and you can find Lily in the kitchen at Spursto Arms seven days a week, including Christmas Eve. Yeah. The Food and Drink Show with Abby Moulton, Josh Barry and The Pressure on Hoxton Radio. Uh, la, 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 lifetime, Romy and planning to rock on Hoxton Radio on the Food and Drink Show where I'm joined uh, with uh, um, just, just refo- food royalty and that Josh Barry's here from the eye. <laughs> what on earth? What's been going to press this week? Um, what has been? Well, Lockdown Cheese. Oh, That's yeah. coming up. So in lockdown, all this excess milk, uh, obviously loads of supply lines shut, good cheesemakers, couldn't get into restaurants, pubs, dining rooms, whatever, um, with everything closed. So mountains of cheese that, you know, a lot of softer cheeses waste very quickly. You know, they mature quickly and they go off quickly. So they had to kind of get rid of those and then think, well, if we've not got avenues to sell our soft cheese through, a little bit of online sales, but obviously a huge, massive part of the market was shut. So... um, all the cheesemakers around the country set to work just inventing new ones okay. like um just just making harder cheeses that mature obviously over over the course of the year with the hope that they'd come out this year kind of bit of a gamble still but a lot safer in terms of a business um proposition so uh instead of just making kind of standard stuff all these cheesemakers who usually make soft stuff made hard cheeses and uh, so invented new cheddars made with sheep's milk and goat's milk blends and um Anyway, I find that very interesting. Very uh, delicious, all of them as well, I think. Is the world microchip shortage affecting the food and world scene yet? I don't know what that is. Okay, never mind. <laughs> what? It's, for, it's for the more kind of Tesla and Bitcoin fans out oh, there. Oh, couldn't care less. Okay. What's, it, what's the microchip shortage? Um, I, I think they... Because the demand for like cars went down, so then they sort of... Anyone that was making chips that could put them into something else, maybe something for your home, your appliance, they shifted it to that. Now there's a shortage of microchips. What, what are we going to run out of there? I guess there'll be a slowdown in the production of certainly cars and then the price will probably go up. That's what's going to maybe lead to inflation going up is because some things like the distortion of, you know, the, the value of oil dropped massively during mm-hmm. lockdown mm-hmm. and then it's suddenly gone back up again. And with these things fluctuating, it just distorts things and then the everyday price of stuff goes up. So microchip shortage is going to make us poorer. Basically, yeah. All right. If you like to eat out and drink out and wear fancy clothes and get the tube, then yeah, you're going to feel it in the pocket. Am I? Yeah. Oh no! You probably hate won't, tech. but anyone at the bottom, I most certainly will. This is why I hate tech. <laughs> yeah, like it's just I hate it. Just, I wish that we just had pen and paper. The radio's good. I like radio. Okay. Well, this is old but tech, isn't it? This mic- is analog tech. Oh. This isn't even tech. It's just like science before. Yeah, it was tech. I don't like science. Isn't there also a massive thing about how all the servers for all of the digital coins, Bitcoin, and all the other coins, are kind of taking up so much space on the servers that they're running out of like places to put them? Wow. Apparently, they're that massive. Would, I mean, Oof. space would be the best place for that. Put it in space. Ugh. It's not going to be long, is it? No. Everything in space. Get Wi-Fi. I don't understand why that we don't send. Like, I, d- I don't agree with space travel. It's too expensive. But why don't we just put all the crap up there? Like, what? Who gives? Look, I can it doesn't see, matter, does it? Just shove it all up there. Yeah. I mean, I can think of absolutely about. no reason whatsoever why that would be a bad idea. Why? Why? <laughs> what? The aliens going to get upset? Oh no! You sent a load of washing machines over here. You know, plummeting through the atmosphere into the Milky Way, and then I mean, there's nothing up there, is there? It's boring. Just there's no chance up there. of it upsetting something else up there and yeah, coming back to bite us. Yeah, Absolutely not. That would happen, obviously, but not for a while. 
<laughs> um, we've got the guys from uh, London Smoke and Cure on the Zoom telephone line right about now. Welcome to Hoxton Radio. Hey, thanks very much for having us. We're looking forward to uh, chatting through some stuff. Um, where where do we find you today? I like your bunker. That looks like a nice place that you wouldn't get disturbed by people. You know, you've glammed it up. You've gone to, you know, you've just you've made it your home. And then if anyone knocks, yeah. be like, oh, can we come and co-work in here? They'll be like, actually, no, we'll probably go and sit in the kitchen. <laughs> you know what? You're right. It is a bit of a bunker. So we work out of um an old horse stables on a hobbled muse down in streatham so <gasps> downstairs is a production space and we're in the attic right now do you want to come on a tour with me this summer and we'll just um we'll go around loads of muses may mainly around fitzrovia and then we'll just go to a lot of pubs as well yeah no i think that's exactly right so i quite like the idea of you're going to go on a tour you use something as a theme yeah. to take you places so muse just do your muse tour yeah come around you'd be welcome yeah it's a bicycle thing so you get off take some pics and then you try and sit at someone's furniture because in the muse people treat it as their garden and it's brilliant loads of nice plants loads of nice outdoor furniture is it like that in streatham muse do you know what yesterday the sun was shining so we did our meetings out on the cobbled news um, but do you, do you know do you think you'd make it this far down to Streatham if you were starting in Fitzrovia I've got a feeling you might maybe get to Pimlico and it all goes a bit pear yeah where do we start I would rather start but I don't know I mean Fitzrovia is probably a little bit closer to home for me but I mean Streatham has got to be more space and when you get to someone's house with more space they let you stay longer don't they exactly yeah well we'll put you on the couch here up in the attic yes Smoking cured, London smoking cured. Um, what is it? What is it? What does it do? Yeah, well, we're um, we're a craft smokery, uh, hardworking craft smokery based, like I said, down in Streatham. Uh, we do uh, well. We do three lines of product. So the first of those is our sashimi grade cold smoked salmon. Uh, that's the product that we started with. It's the product that's closest to my heart, at least. Uh, it's a super fresh, very high quality of salmon. We do a range of 28-day dry-aged bacons. And what we do there is, instead of pumping it full of, overly pumping it full of salts and trying to rush it through, uh, we'll dry cure those bacons and then hang them for at least a month. Uh, So they're losing moisture. They're kind of closer to a pancetta really, but full of flavor. And then finally, we have a range of British charcuterie. So we're talking things like air-dried, very spicy, smoked and duya, air-dried copper, saucissons, banging chorizos, things like that. This all sounds amazing. Yeah, sounds really good. You must have to get some pretty fancy meats to start with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a really important point. I mean, we really play on the provenance. Um, what we're always trying to do, I think, is just to reduce that that uh, the, the length of that supply chain. And I heard the, 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 the guest you had on just earlier talking about some of the farms that, that she was working with by the Ethical Butcher. Uh, we work um, predominantly with Mount Grace Farm. They're based up in North Yorkshire. And what I love is, you know, you can pick up the phone and you can talk to Charles, the farmer, and you can understand really, you know, what's going on with his animals at that time. And we've got complete confidence in him, really, that he's going to provide us with the right quality of, um, in this case, pork and beef. So I guess sustainability of fish is a huge topic at the moment, thanks to the Netflix documentary. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into how you source your salmon and what are the sustainable ways of sourcing salmon? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's a really pertinent point and it's something which um, has always been really important to us. I mean, the, the, the truth is that the, the salmon industry is a global industry. 
And um, in terms of what I was just saying about earlier, reducing the length of that supply chain, that's a very, very difficult thing for a small uh, business to do. So effectively, what we are doing is trying to source the very best farmed fish that we can. And the way we do that is code on it, and then to track that fish back to where it was processed and where it was farmed. And then we can check that data um, against uh, uh, Scottish government data in terms of fish mortality, the use of formaldehydes, um, uh, light infestations and things like that. So um, I think, you know, it's a very current topic. We work really hard with our, with our suppliers. We have to, and they fight on our behalf when the fish comes into Billingsgate on a, early on a Tuesday morning. So you get all your salmon from Scotland? It's all Scottish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's quite... I, I read the other day that most of the salmon we consume in this country, and salmon is by far the biggest fish in terms of consumption, most of it comes from Sweden, uh, which is just totally baffling because we have so much lovely salmon in Scotland. Obviously, we have to mm. sell it to people to make money. Yeah. And the world goes round. But, you know, it's all a bit, it's all a bit skewed, isn't it? It's, it's, I think you're right. It's very skewed. Um, I mean, certainly... You know, if we don't keep an eye on it, uh, we wouldn't end up with Scottish salmon. But you know, you you know, people want to sell us Norwegian salmon, and there's a lot of there's a lot of really bad uh, salmon out there. So yeah, it's a it's a weekly it's a weekly fight for us to make sure that we are receiving and working with the right quality. And you know, I've got to say, when you get the right quality, which we do, working with it down in the production space, it's a joy. Um, I mean, that's you know, that's that's really what we're here to do. We're here to connect customers which love uh, great quality product with craftspeople which really know what they're doing with uh, suppliers which enjoy and want to make product which is of the right kind of provenance and quality and it's not about uh, purely about profit and squeezing the last dollar out of it. I've just been looking at the salmon on your Instagram it does look I mean you can't taste with your eyes but it definitely looks amazing. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. We've, I mean, we've worked really hard on that product over the last six years. Uh, every week, there's this moment. Actually, we'll be doing this today because today is the the slicing and packing day. Every week, we'll get chance to taste it, and you have this, you know, one moment in the week when you can just stop. You can taste the product that you've eaten. If you want, you might tweak the recipe for the next week, or maybe you're going to say, well, let's just up the smoke levels by a percent or something like that. And um, you know. I, I think it's a privilege for us just to be able to taste the the salmon, you know, that every week uh, when it's fresh out of the smoker. It's a, it's a really enjoyable time. Um, yeah, and like you said, we work really, really hard on it. If someone wanted to set up a business making their own vegan protein flapjacks, they could probably do it in their um, their own kitchen. If you're going to set up a smokery, if that's what you guys are called, that's, that's quite a lot of stuff you need. It's a lot of stuff. It comes with uh, bureaucracy and... Um, a lot of paperwork and, and things like that. So, I mean, we started, uh, I guess, sort of five or so years ago. It's one of those classic stories of where I turned something I loved into uh, the job that I do. So we started very, very small, you know, in a, in a, in a smokery which was built in the garden. Uh, we are now, uh, you know, we've got professional premises uh, with all the equipment and all the, you know, all the, all the paperwork and all the tickety-boos. And, um, but you're right, it's... Uh, uh, it comes with its challenges, but you know these are the choices that we've made, and it certainly comes with its rewards as well. And when we get the positive feedback, 
from the customers or from the restaurants, then, you know, frankly, it makes it all worth it. And I'm glad to see that it hasn't all gone to your head and you're not sat in a smoking jacket in a leather chair with a cigar. You're still in a, something that looks like a shed. <laughs> Humble. Do you know what? I think, um, yeah, the dream was sat round smoking cigars in the, in the smoking jacket, you know? Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's next year. <laughs> um, thank you very much for your time on the telephone Zoom line today. Not at all. Could I just mention one quick thing? We've got a really exciting partnership with uh, Heyman's Gin. They're a a local distillery based in Ballam. Yeah, lovely. What do we... For World Gin Day. What we've done there is we've uh, we've infused our our fish with their really high-quality London dry gin. So that's really exciting. And also a Hoxton exclusive, if you want Mm -hmm. it, is an event we got coming up on the 8th of July with the craft brewer Brew by Numbers. Uh, tickets to be launched soon on the Brew by Numbers website. And that'll be uh, a really nice occasion for sort of 50 or 60 people to get together and taste some great beer <gasps> and eat some fine cured meats. Okay. Can we be invited, please? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. That's the least we can do. Okay, sweet. <laughs> um, thank you very much. It's been great chatting today. We'll let you get back to your smoking and curing and um, we'll see you very soon. Thanks very much, David. All the best to you guys. Cheers. Bye. The Food and Drink Show on Hoxton Radio. Gooey. Uh, by Glass Animals on Hoxton Radio and some FKA twigs before that. Abby's flipping. <laughs> Elbowed in and put her own music on as ever, which is all right. It's okay. It's all fine. You in safe hands. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's the Food and Drink Show where we talk about food and drinks. Been cooking anything indoors this week? Uh, cooking indoors, yeah, a really healthy uh, red pepper stuffed with courgettes and uh, bits and pieces on Monday mm. night, which was great. Not not ta- not not for taste, but for health. But it was it was still good. Um, and I've got a halloumi and smoky bean and tomato stew kind of in the works for another time tomorrow night. Wow. How about you? I made some uh, like bolognese with a load of rosemary in and some. New ch- like some new cherry tomatoes chucked in for fun, and then a bit of extra mushrooms just for yeah, just for a bit of lol. And I had it with fresh pasta last night. Oh. Just thought, you know, why wait fifteen minutes for pasta to cook when you can cook it in a minute and it tastes brilliant? Yeah, always, always fresh pasta. Can you make your own pasta? Have you ever? Tried? I wouldn't like be that fussed. That's too much faff, man. Why have you got that much time to make pasta? Go for another walk around the park. <laughs> uh, it's. It's actually quick if you kind of get down to it. I've done it in classes and things before, mm. and it's really quick. And every time I think, oh, I should do this more often, I've never done it. If you've got the kit and the caboodle and the space, which yeah. I guess the pasta class has all of it. but It's that cliche thing, isn't it? Everybody buys a pasta maker when they reach a certain age. No. And then it sits in the cupboard. What about Josh Barry? He's got a pasta maker, I bet. Mm. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you used it? Mm. Back when smoking was allowed indoors in your smoking <laughs> jacket. <laughs> yeah, I don't really make pasta all that much. But I have done. Yeah? Yeah. Satisfying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got... I mean, it's a, yeah, it is a lot of effort and there are some, there are some very good pastas that you can just buy. It is that thing, isn't it? If you're going to put the effort in, it needs to taste better than if you bought it. If you're going to put all the time and effort in just for your own feelings of smugness and then the taste isn't any different, what's the point? I'd only do it for like a dinner party, you know, like a proper... It's not a daily... Not like the nonnas of Calabria who toil away every day. What's Josh Barry's dinner party menu? Oh, God. (laughs) I don't know. 
Uh, well, the other day I did a uh, right now. The other day I did asparagus for the poached egg in Hollandaise. Probably kick off with that. Then maybe. Um, uh, then maybe. Oh, the other day also I cooked. I cooked some. I got some hake and roasted it with capers, lemon, bit of cider. Mm. Um, that was quite good. With Lyonnaise potatoes and carrots and uh, um, wrapper. Cinderappa coming around for supper, eh? Yeah, that was quite good. I think a little kind of self, yeah, um, little kind of green sauce with the with the hake. I've been saving a few recipes I see on Instagram, which looks quite fun. And uh, one of them was just like some maybe asparagus and some lemon, and then a bit of salmon on top. Wrap it up in the oven, bake it for a bit, bring it out. There you go, Bosh. Asparagus has had a bad year. Uh oh, it's not great this year. It's quite woody, is it? But um. Well, some of it's quite nice. Had some really nice asparagus at uh, Quality Shop House, but uh, but overall the weather has been bad for it. But apparently, the weather for strawberries apparently strawberries are extra juicy. So we get vintage variation with asparagus. Then I guess if you think about it, we must get vintage variation with everything. Hmm. Lots of rain is going to be like fresh and lighter, isn't it? Lots of heat's going to be richer. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know why exactly. Oh, I mean, it's just weather, isn't it? Dependent entirely, but it's a shame when asparagus is not. You know, because it it tallied up so nicely with the reopening of hospitality, mm. and I always look forward to asparagus. I look forward to our next guest, the rum ambassador, is going to join us on the telephone line to talk to us about at Quiano Rum. At Quiano oh. Rum, let's get a ch- quick bit of Nick Cave on my favourite Nick Cave song, and we'll get um, Ian on just after this. You're listening to the Food and Drink Show on Hoxton Radio. Bit of Nick Cave with Nature Boy on Hoxton Radio. Did a show live at Alexander's Palace a little while ago. So you can probably watch that online. It was due to come out in cinemas in around November time. I don't think the cinemas are open right then. So search for it online, Nick Cave uh, from Alexander's Palace, one of our fave venues. Uh, we have now on the telephone line um, the rum ambassador, Ian Burrell, joins us. Welcome, Ian. Hey, man. How are you guys doing? Good? Really good. Great to have such like rum royalty on the radio today. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far. The um, king of rum. Just a, just a rum drinker that enjoys the product. <laughs> um, how long have you been, you know, a fan of this 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 beverage of choice? Um, well, my uh, my family uh, my family are Jamaican, so I've got Jamaican blood. So um, yeah, so I've been drinking rum. Um, I know it's uh, not PC, but um, since about four days old, <laughs> according to my mom, according to my grandmother. Did they um, put it in the milk? My, yeah, in the milk, a little bit on the, on the lip. To That's good. Sleep. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Jamaican way. But yeah, I've been drinking rum for a long time and now it's a uh, part of my uh, my my well, part of my job and uh, i guess on the continental europe here you know a bit of wine with supper time is a lot is you know that's normal there in the uk we don't seem to yeah. really understand we just get very drunk all the time um <laughs> in the caribbean how is how would rum be sort of drunk as as a family and as a youngster how are you introduced to it um well funny enough we do get introduced rum to a young age but that might be in the form of like a punch um of some sort um <sighs> Mm-mm. Oh no, Zoom's gone and uh, left us hanging a little bit. I yeah, think. Uh, my first would would be would be Guinness condensed milk. Uh, oh, 
honest, had like a oh. really nice cocktail. Yeah, that being sounds made for us. Yeah. Uh, during Sunday dinner, a bit of, bit of jerk chicken, salad, rice and peas, and then you got the Guinness punch to help wash it down. Family, family dinner. That sounds so delicious. Do you ever get one of my one of my favourite places to get jerk stuff? Is Tasty Jerk in uh, Selhurst? Do you ever go there? Oh no, is that South London? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, I don't go. I don't go South London. That's too far. <laughs> Where? Do, need, oh, a pass, okay. need a passport to go across the bridge. Oh dear. All right, fair <laughs> enough. But no, it's the it's really nice. It's really good. Uh, yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Um, excellent. Now there's a few really some really good. Um, good pop-up caribbean restaurants around around london where you get some great food and especially if you're if you're a regular there it becomes your your staple and your local um but if you're not a regular there and you're going there for the first time it never tastes as good as either your regular place and definitely doesn't taste as good as mums or grandmothers because they always cook the best so where would you recommend north of the river then if i'm ever stranded up there where should i go well besides my besides my grandmothers yeah um make the best uh, there's a place called um, uh, what's it called? It's called uh, Juicy Roots mm-hmm. in Tottenham. Um, yeah, I, I'm always getting takeaway from there, and uh, and now I've just moved outside London. I'll be ordering some takeaway just to take back, <laughs> <laughs> take back home up to Cheltenham um, because there's there's no good Caribbean restaurants up in Cheltenham. <laughs> <laughs> Juicy Roots in Tottenham. All right, I'll go there. Yeah, in Tottenham. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Give us a bit of a rundown of this rum that you've sent us today, Ian. A rundown. Yeah, a little rum down. Wow, nice. Oh, I like my. that. Playing on the words. A little rum down. Um, yeah, so it's uh, this rum is Equiano. Equiano, it's the world's first African and Caribbean rum. And, and when we say African and Caribbean rum, we basically mean a rum that at first starts off in Africa, the continent of Africa, and then we send it all the way to the Caribbean, to Barbados, um, to be blended and bottled. Now, it seems like a crazy technique or crazy reason to do that um well there's two reasons one i'm african caribbean um so why not create a rum of of my ethnicity um and there aren't any other african caribbean rums out there there are caribbean rums there are um even african rums um there are rums from other parts of asia but there's no african and caribbean rum but we wanted to as a as a team as a team of four of us we wanted to blend um rums from two great regions and the rum coming from Africa, from Mauritius, um, is actually aging ex-cognac barrels. And then those, and for a minimum of 10 years, and those are then sent on boat to Barbados, which is the home of rum. This is where rum actually got its name during the 1650s um, from a word called rum bullion, which is an old English word for an uproar or tumult, lots of noise, getting boisterous. <laughs> Probably like you guys do on a Saturday night after a few bevies. So uh, that's what rum bullion, <laughs> that's what rum bullion meant. Um, so yeah, so it goes to the home of Rum Barbados. It's blended with the award-winning um, rum from Four Square Distillery in Barbados, and then that's bottled, sent to the US, and sent to the UK. Um, but that journey um, of Africa to the Caribbean to the UK is the same journey that our namesake um, made, um, well, was forced to make when he was enslaved when he was eleven, and that's a Lauda Equiano. And that's what our rum is called, um, Equiano rum, named after Lauda Equiano, who was enslaved at eleven. Um, taken to the Caribbean, taken to the US, US, then sent to the UK, learned to speak English, um, came back to the Caribbean, saw the injustice of slavery and vowed to fight for equality and freedom, um, bought his own freedom by selling rum and spices for about 40 pounds. This is all in the 18, in the 18th century, so the 1700s. 
um, came back to England, um, wrote a book about his memoirs uh, um, about his life, and that became a nine-time bestseller and also helped inspire and help with the uh, the abolition of uh, of slavery, the transatlantic slavery, um, and informed the Transatlantic Slavery Act of 1807 in the British colonies. So a very, very important person and a person that we wanted to tell the story about um, just by uh, paying homage to him on our bottle of rum. And profits from each bottle go to a cause. Correct, yes. Um, so we have a foundation that we start off the Equiana Rum Foundation, which we're going to be contributing, we're going to be helping and working with various different organisations um, while we're in existence. Um, that was one of the things that we actually as founders said we wanted to do even before we actually had the name of the brand and, and founded the brand. Um, so our, our chosen what's called organisation we're working with this year is Anti-Slavery International, who's one of the oldest um, slavery organization, anti-slavery organisations in the world. And we contribute 5% of our profits um, to the organisation. But until we make a profit, because we're only about two years old as a company, um, we, we're donating $2 and £2 for every bottle sold from our website um, to uh, Anti-Slavery International. And we gave them uh, their first check in January, which is great, a great feeling, especially as we'd sold about three times more than what we expected to sell. Um, <laughs> nice nice check for them. I remember when we spoke last, you you told me that sales had kind of gone boom and it was a brand new, last time it was a brand new yeah. product, this bottle. Yeah. Uh, and we had a bit and it was nice. It's delicious, obviously. I mean, I love rum. Everyone loves rum. But um, what's this new, obviously we've got the one that's been around now for a couple of years, the darker one. And then in front yep. of me in a kind of perfume bottle type thing, is uh, <laughs> a clear. It looks like a. It looks like you know a Calvin Klein perfume. CK one, get yeah. it out there. CK one, yeah, like CK one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Funny <laughs> enough, that was on one of our mood boards as well when we was coming up the designs in that CK one. <laughs> so um, and it's got the coordinates on the back, which is really cool. But it's a lot lighter. Yeah. So is this a new variation? Yeah, yeah. So so what it is because rums comes in come in different expressions. Um, not only how they look, but what they're made from. Uh, the original. Um, Equiano is made from molasses, which is what about 90% of all rums are made from. That's the byproduct of sugar. Um, we wanted to create something slightly different uh, with a different flavor profile, but also um, to use in different drinks. So we wanted to create a lighter uh, gold rum. So the Equiano light is a light gold rum. Um, it is a blend of molasses and fresh sugarcane juice rums because some rums are made from fresh sugarcane juice um, and that's because uh, historically uh, they couldn't they didn't there was no market for them to sell sugar so they had all this sugarcane so instead of making rum from the leftovers of the sugar that you made you made it just straight from the fresh sugarcane juice and some countries uh, especially like french influenced countries like martinique and guadeloupe are still making rums from fresh sugarcane juice because of that legacy so our rum, this new light rum that you have, is a blend of aged gold rums and then some light, uh, unaged, fresh sugarcane juice rums blended together um, to create a Equiano light. Something different, something floral, great in cocktails like daiquiris and mojitos, um, sours. Um, it's just a different complexity, but yeah, so it's a light golden rum as opposed to a white rum. So it'd be nice in the summer as we all kind of have sun like you know picnics and barbecues and stuff um, yeah summer but it's, it's all year round you can have all year round summer obviously because the sun's out and you want to drink a nice rummy type drinks mm. like the like mojitos and that type of stuff but yeah you can have a, a nice autumn drink a nice winter drink winter punch <laughs> yeah. uh, as well one of my favorite punches is like a milk punch um and people are like oh milk punch oh that sounds like creamy no no it's not what you do is it's an old an old technique of you get milk 
Um, you add spices to the milk, like nutmeg, cinnamon, some sugar as well, sweeten it up. And then you add citrus, so some lime. And what the citrus does, it curdles it. And you add some rum to that and you leave it there overnight. So come back, you do this in a little, a little bucket, you come back and it's curdled. And what you do, you filter it, you separate it. And, and the, the, the curdled part is curds. And then the liquid is whey, the curds and whey that you use for when you're making cheese. So you throw away or you just reuse the, well, make some cheese maybe from the solids, the curdle you just collected. But the liquid part looks actually pale, looks straw color. And that is the part you can drink. And you can keep that inside your fridge for a year. But I tell you, what it does, the milk clarifies um, everything, but it also smooths out the, the, the edges of any alcohol you mix with it. And you're, you're sipping it and you're sipping it. You don't even realize you're drinking something that's that, that strong, but... Clarified milk punches are, are one of the best ways to drink. I've had uh, some of this. Yeah, delicious. Really, really good. Years ago um, at a friend's wedding in Brixton, and it was just amazing. What are the mm. different flavor profiles that we might expect from an African rum to a Caribbean? Mm. Well, it, it all depends on where it's made. So we chose Mauritius for our country in Africa. Uh, just because some of the rums come out of that island uh, are absolutely amazing. And they make rums from both um, molasses and fresh sugarcane juice. Um, so there isn't really a distinct flavor profile. You can say, oh, that is a rum from the African continent. And that is a rum from the Caribbean because each region have their own different interpretations of how they make their rum. So for example, like in Scotland for whiskeys, each area might have a different style of whiskey. Within that area, you'll have a different style of whiskey as well. So it's very hard to actually pin uh, pigeonhole what the style of rum is of an African rum or a Caribbean rum. But what we can say is from Mauritius and our particular rum, because our rum is aged in ex-cognac barrels, which are French oak, um, those French oak barrels will give a different type of sweetness, natural sweetness, a different type of fruit flavor than the normal barrels used for rums, which is American oak, American white oak, ex-bourbon barrels. Um, so French oak normally give like um, not as much vanilla notes that you get from American oak, but you'll get fruits like um, uh, red fruit or uh, dark red fruit, uh, currants and uh, berries. Um, you'll also get a little bit of um, sugarcane, sugary uh, molasses um, type of notes um, as well that are really amplified by that red cognac cask um, as well. Um, some people also say that you get a little bit more um, spices um, from the French oak than you will from American oak. When we say spices, a bit more nutmeg, a bit more cinnamon, um, peppery notes as well. And then for the American oak and the ones you'd use in the Caribbean, you get a lot more lighter fruit, orchard fruits like peaches and pe uh, peaches and apricots, uh, things like that. Orange peel, um, you get from American notes from the Caribbean rum. So it's each each rum slightly different, and you normally highlight and isolate them just by nosing and tasting that particular rum you're drinking. This light rum, uh, the new one, um, mm. presumably comes in full size bottles. We're, yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, you've, got, you, you've got some of the first samples in the yeah, world. Yeah. Oh, thank quite. you. <laughs> Very exciting. What privilege that is. But the, uh, I was going to ask, will a portion of the sale go to the same foundation as the darker bottles from the regular stuff? Have we lost him again? Oh. Those who Equiano liked. Um, Yep. Not only will we give him what's called a donation from the Equiano Lights, we'll also, um, also any collaborations we do, things like RTDs, um, we're, we're working with some of the top bars in the world to create uh, ready-to-drink cocktails. And 
um, percentage of those will also go to our foundation, which would then go to the various different charities as well. So we just teamed up with a, uh, a world-class bar called Tear and Elementary mm-hmm. uh, based down in Old Street. Yeah. And um, the owners, um, because Alauda Recreano was an entrepreneur, we want to support and work with entrepreneurs within the bar industry. So the owner of that bar is a, is a boyfriend and girlfriend team, Alex Catania and Monica Berg. Great place, Taylor and Elementary. And Wench, uh, bartenders and people in the world, uh, in the spirits industry. And Monica was number one. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with RTD. Nice. Um, Ian, thanks very much for joining us on the line. We'll let you get back to your coffee, which we hope you're going to put a little bit of rum in, maybe uh, to get you spiced up for the afternoon. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Next time I come around and make some cocktails for you. Yes, please. Yeah, do. So we can follow you all across the social at The Rum Ambassadors, where we find you on Instagram. Yeah. Ian, thanks very much for joining Hox Radio today. No problem. Thanks for having me and, uh, and cheers and, uh, and drink safe. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. If you make tasty food or drink and would like to be featured on the show, drop us an email to info at hoxtonradio.com. Deeply sorry, listeners, but you missed some absolute hilarity because I said to Ian about his necklace, I asked him if it was nutmeg and he just cracked up. He just couldn't stop laughing. But all that, all of that was off mic and then the Zoom <laughs> call ended. Such was the disruption. So, uh, yeah, back in the day, it was a status symbol because rum was pretty, it was pretty strong. And then they started flavoring it and putting things, and, and nutmeg was one of the things that they would spice it with. But spices were pretty hard to come across. So if you were of, of money and wealth, you would wear a little piece of nutmeg on your necklace Maybe if you were feeling extravagant, you'd shave a little bit off. It was the bling. It was the bling. Functional, flavoursome bling. And Bring it back. He has a necklace on, but it was quite concealed. So I was like, oh, is that nutmeg there? And we never found out because he just <laughs> laughed himself off the call. But that was good fun. What a great guest. It's so lovely to talk to him. You offer a bit of finger-licking food after this, Baza? Absolutely not, no. Um, you, go, you go back to Liverpool Street, don't you? Yeah, I roll back. I'd watch it if I were you, because Phil from Polo Bar's looking for you, so... Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I'll go to Moorgate, then. (laughs) Smart move. (laughs) And what are you up to for the rest of the day and week, Abby Moulton? I am eating. I'm off to Rochelle Canteen after this for a long lunch. Long in uh, time and also long in how long I've been waiting for it. Mm. Um, Top cuvee on Saturday night. Really wanted to go to this pop-up on Sunday by Orange Wine at Lucky and Joy. Don't think they've got any tickets left, um, but I might see how... Don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> Surely that at the front of the queue. Uh, I might see how I feel on Sunday and see if there's any any space for a little one. Don't this evening standard have like a kit that you can wear that just makes it obvious that you're them? Like if you were in, you know, if you were at a conflict and you had a thing that said, you know, I'm a journalist, don't do whatever. You've got a standard thing that's, I don't know, newspaper-esque suit or something. A lanyard, an old yeah. school journalist. Or, you know, like if back in the day at Liverpool Street when they would wear the sort of board over them that would be like, standard, standard. <laughs> I think those guys are the ones who hand the magazine out and not the ones who Uh, kind of write it. But I could try it. Shall I try it it and report back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Happy to do so. They still exist, those standard people. Read all about it. Here and there, yeah. Mm. Uh, Eating and drinking, you two? Where? When? I've got got lunch with my grandparents on Sunday. Yummy. First uh, in... The only time, well, we ate all together in between lockdowns in the summer when we thought it was the kind of first time coming out and um, at a local Italian. But obviously, it's been nearly a year since then. So, um, yeah, 
cute. Going, going out with the, with those guys. Nearly 90, my granddad. Wow. In fact, no, it's for his 90th. He's taking everyone. This has been the Food and Drink Show. Thanks very much to the Rum Ambassador. Thank you very much to the rest of the crew, London Smoke and Cure. They were flipping lovely, and the Ethical Butcher crew as well. Um, Yeah, the show will be online imminently, and we'll try and get the podcast out today as well. So if you're lucky enough to be listening to our voices without music, then well done, because Abby picked it. (laughs) The Food and Drink Show with Abby Moulton, Josh Barry, and The Pressure on Hoxton Radio.